0: Hello and welcome to episode 304 of Movie Victory. I'm your host, David Victory, here bringing you another classic movie where we're going to break this movie down scientifically, get at really is this movie any good or not. Today we're talking about the classic, the black robe, the father of time, the chess playing fool. We're talking about Seventh Seal and um, I got... I guess on the line, sometimes he goes by Huey, sometimes um a different name and um Hugo. <laughs> Hugo. Yeah, let's see he's here now. All right. Um so what did you think of this movie?
1: I am here now and I did watch this movie and it was fine.
0: Wow. Yeah. Deep insight there. Thank you. So so you are there and you have seen the movie Correct. That um you like agreed on seeing and talking about on, on this show now. Okay. Yes. You've done done that. All right. Well, do you want to tell us where you're calling from? Are you just going to pretend I didn't ask go into this whole,
1: all right. Uh, I I'm still, um, at my Airbnb in Canada. So,
0: yeah, I just don't really believe that there's Airbnbs in Canada. I mean,
1: I mean, I say Airbnb loosely. It's, it's, um, Sort of house sitting without them knowing. I
0: think that's just called breaking in. It's squatting. S- squatting. Yeah. I, think, I, I, I mean, i if... squatting. Yeah.
1: But it's a lovely space, and I'm really glad that I can, um, you know, use their computer uh, for this, this call.
0: You know, as. Not to get into a tangent here, but like, you know, as we've talked about, talked about before that I'm a runner and I do as a, as I'm running, I find myself a lot of times just thinking about places that I could squat for, you know, for free. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a ton out there. There's abandoned buildings. There's places underneath bridges. I mean, sometimes I do see people like camping randomly in the woods and I'm always just like, that's bold. You know, you just to put up a tent there and, um, you know, people can see you. I mean, did you know
1: that if a a building has been abandoned even if it's owned by a landlord or whatever, if it has been evacuated for more than like I think it's like six months in some places, uh it is perfectly legal to squat there. If no one has rented from the place for X amount of months, it is it's free free reign.
0: Well, I mean that's why I think yeah, squatting is prevalent. I see we have some abandoned buildings over here, like really kinda of close to my house. And um I was just like walking by them the other day and um I see the 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 big blankets up on the windows and I'm just like, Oh my gosh, somebody's living there you know, mm-hmm. and it lo- and it just looked like you know, just kind of an abandoned building from the front. I never would have thought, you know, that we Yeah. yeah.
1: I think that's great. I mean, I don't. Uh, I don't blame does, them. It probably doesn't. It probably doesn't have electricity. But you'd be surprised how many places still have running water. Hmm. Uh, I think squatting is great. Let's face it. There's eight billion people in the world, and there's a lot of empty real estate.
0: I always just think about like I'm running by these huge communities of retired people that I know they're spending so much money on these like luxury places, and then across mm-hmm. the street there's squatters and then we also have some of these complexes that um are the kind of places that people have to go um, because they have bad credit and they can't rent anything sure. out so they're like bad motels that people live in um mm-hmm. so su- surprisingly some of them have garages though which i always thought i think is, stra- is strange uh-huh. i'm like it's like i don't you don't get a garage like at a good apartment complex most of the time but
1: someone may have converted the garage you never know yeah, yeah uh, it's it's strange, you know, when you talk about that, that classist distinction just right across the street. Uh, it's it's, weird. it's crazy. It's, it's almost it's almost as if society is broken.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't go that far, but um, well, I mean, this is what society. Anyway, is all so about. this movie. <laughs> no, just kidding. Society is definitely broken. All right, yeah. So this is this is another black and white movie.
1: Yes. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, as you know, as we've talked about many times before, my favorite color is gray. And not a color. So I love black and white. Not colors. a
0: color. Gray is not a color. Mm, mm,
1: it's a spectrum. Gray is a, it, it's a spectrum between black and white. Gray is a color. Um, my not other c- favorite color, which favorite I don't color. think has come up, sepia. Huh.
0: Okay. Well, at least it's a color. Um. Yeah, so Seven Seal. It's a classic film. Um, I'm gonna
1: put classic in quotes. Sorry. I go mean,
0: ahead. D- is, how, is it ironically a classic? I, I mean, I don't understand the quotes.
1: No, I'm putting in quotes mm-hmm. because p- other people call it a classic. I'm quoting everyone. Oh, you're
0: quoting a everyone who calls it. Okay, I feel like I, I yeah. do understand that more now. Um, all right, because yeah. it's just like it is. It is a classic film. Um, oh no, this it's a is, classic for sure. So I I have this book that my dad gave me when I was much younger that was, like, film reviews from some reviewer. You know, he gave it to me uh-huh. for Christmas, and this was in that book, and I remember seeing the picture, and there was, like, a point where I was just, like, writing in the book and crossing out these movies when I saw them. And I feel like that's kind of why I sought this film out. I think I got it at the library and, hmm. you know, watched it. What was the... Uh,
1: um. What was the image Can what was the
0: i'm pretty sure if i remember right it's um it's mr death himself father of time i did not know until recent very recently that father time is a greek mythology character he's like he's one of the oldest cronus, guys. Right? cronus. yeah i know i was like i was like did you know that did everybody else know that i just
1: i don't know if i knew that when i first saw this movie but i think i picked that up but at some point in my mid-20s i would you know went down many like wikipedia holes about greek mythology and you know picked that up along the way
0: Stephen fry has like these great books where he retells all the stories he's got a great voice yeah he does the audiobooks i mean he he edited the actual books but he does the audiobook too it's really i really recommend it his version of the stories is concise is interesting he does like commentaries on things that is fascinating but yeah so he in his book he talks about this and he also talks about there's the character who does trick um, death and I actually wanted to go back and like read that story but I didn't because I I just had other things to do but there is this classic um, Greek story of this character who does trick um, father time and is able to survive longer and I was like trying to think I don't know if that's the first but that's got to be one of the earliest versions of this story of like somebody trying to postpone death by playing some kind of game
1: yeah I, I don't remember exactly either i mean i know sisyphus tries to trick death and that's his punishment is for trying to cheat death but there's a lot of tricksters throughout mythology
0: but like this concept of somebody you know basically in the story we got death and a knight and it's a swedish film so you got to read subtitles which you know a lot of people struggle with I don't know if it's just people that can't read or just don't want to watch the film as they're watching it. I don't know exactly the exact problem with subtitles.
1: I think most people, regardless of the language, are used to watching movies in English. I think people just don't expect it. You know what I found uh, that is funny is I know people that always watch things on Netflix in English with subtitles, but if they're asked to watch a foreign movie with subtitles, they feel like personally affronted by it somehow which i think is weird because it's like you're already reading it. Uh or maybe it's they? just a backup. Do they, do they just like that they Yeah, it's there. just a
0: backup. It's like
1: yeah.
0: eh, you know, there's a chance
1: See, for, for me if there's words on on the screen, i can't not read it. Like my brain just automatically reads the words.
0: This is a complete tangent, uh, but but i'm like yeah. this is like a big problem for me with volume and like whenever i'm watching anything because it's like you have something where you can't understand mm-hmm. the character and that's why i end up having to use subtitles is because i want it at a volume that's acceptable but still be able to understand the people and that's why i'll have to turn on uh-huh. subtitles. i don't want them on i want to just experience the film i mean unless it's
1: yes yeah, so i want to look i want to be so right in images, right i don't
0: yeah. want to look at the subtitles but sometimes you have to
1: because it's in swedish or
0: you can't like Understand them at the right volume, and then you're forced right. to. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about the plot?
1: I, I will say I did not remember much. I saw this in my early twenties, and revisiting it now, like a decade later, I did not remember that it took place during the plague. I pretty much only remembered the chess, like the iconic chess thing, and them talking philosophically during it. Uh, I did not remember any of the. The plague stuff or the, the merry band of jesters. So I was taken aback and uh, I did not like it as much as I remembered liking it.
0: Um, do you think it had something to do with what, what you were eating as you were watching it or just?
1: I may have just like reheated some rice because I've kind of just been eating whatever's at this Airbnb and I think they had some like leftover rice and I just heated that
0: up well we can't um ignore the the factor that that may have made it on your viewing that's all i'm saying
1: it's true it was it was brown rice
0: okay so that's just your kind of impression here
1: yeah my my general impression was i remembered liking it more than i did upon second viewing
0: i'm gonna do like a brief overview of the plot here before we get into too many details but i thought i would read a review of this film um This one is from Amazon. This was the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. The acting was stale. The plot was lame. I tolerated the entire movie only because it was rated so high. It deserves negative 10 stars. Wow. Someone owes me 90 minutes for wasting my time. To top it all off, it was subtitles. I think that was the only thing keeping me from falling asleep completely boring save yourself two hours of your life and watch something else trust me on this one there is no aha moment nothing amazing or (laughs) like
1: really brutal
0: it sounds like you got that that's the whole point that there is nothing with death It just happens and there's no enlightenment there's
1: no aha moment
0: wow so it sounds like you actually got the point of the movie then but just didn't understand it that that was the point yeah
1: right what what is this user's name
0: thomas m and he calls his review turn and run fast lol
1: because for him a movie is something you have to get away from and not not just turn right. off you have to leave He's the he got house. no
0: impulse control i mean it's it also says that he would have turned it off yeah. had there not been for subtitles you know
1: <laughs> and he just couldn't stop reading them which i can relate yeah, to i get that.
0: so anyway so I, I we all have a laugh when we read some reviews of movies that are kind of basically this is it's a i guess what you call a swedish classic even though you know you could argue that bergman's done some better movies and i feel like you've definitely would recommend some of his better ones regardless of
1: it's definitely like an art house art house classic it's still always amazing to me that like people in college in the 60s these are the movies they went to see all the time and that just tragically doesn't really happen anymore
0: yeah, um that's a definitely a good point. But um beat by beat for this film, even though it does have that like art house stigma and you're like, "Oh, how much is this going to be this boring film of these people like just on the beach the whole time, the character of death and our night because that's what the opening is, death night. Also a horse in the ocean which is such a beautiful shot <laughs> I guess for Thomas I'm sorry if you couldn't appreciate that that shot it's 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 yeah. gorgeous shot after shot throughout this entire film and um, you know I it's one of those films though, I'm like it could have been made any time like but anyway so our our night on the beach she's death and deaths like yeah I'm here for you and he's like you know what let's play chess first and then We cut to a juggler and his wife, and they're very happy.
1: The fool, the classic archetype of the fool. Right,
0: and he kind of has visions, and that's like a thing in the movie that comes back, and he, like, sees things. He saw, like, a queen or something, and he tells his wife. And they have a small child, and they're all very happy. And honestly, I love seeing them on screen because they, like, visually just seem like they have so much life and joy, like, in every moment, you know?
1: yeah they are the the existentially redeeming thing about the movie whereas everyone else especially the knight and his uh squire are just doubting god's existence well the knight is continually hopeful but he seems very concerned that there might be an absence of god whereas the squire seems convinced right but the fool and his maiden are are like the glimmer of hope because uh Because, yeah, they, despite all odds, they remain, you know, happy with each other, just in the, just in the act of, like, surviving...
0: Living in the now. ...life together.
1: Mm hmm And, yeah, the the fool's visions, or the juggler, uh, are that classic, like, because he is the fool, he can sort of perceive things that we can't, you know, which is why he's able to see Death playing chess and all this kind of stuff. And my favorite thing is that his wife just finds it charming uh and it's just like she can't see him but she's like oh you yeah the whole time she's like "Uh uh-huh sure there is yeah and he's like just very clearly seeing this like supernatural event happening and she's like oh honey but he i love you but he's like fine
0: with it too he's just like "Eh." (laughs) yeah she doesn't believe yeah he knows
1: yeah he knows he's and he thinks that's charming too there's like a they have a really great rapport that is very it's very endearing that's my view. So I, I did really like them in the movie. I
0: was personally. trying to think who the painter was. The painter was very cynical, and I was like, did he ever come back in the story, the story? I remember him like at the beginning.
1: No, he doesn't really come back. They have that one main major conversation.
0: So that was me. I was just like thinking about that, because I was like, we had these scenes with the painter, and then he's just gone from the movie pretty early mm-hmm. on.
1: Well, because they're passing through town.
0: Yeah, they are just passing through town. It's, it's strange how we start, we open with the death and everything, but then we're just kind of traveling through town. We're going all together.
1: At first, I was like, wait, is this movie nonlinear? Are they showing what he did before he died? But no, it's like death just keeps coming to visit him as it's being delayed by the chess match. And like his life continues with this impending doom.
0: right Right. and then the only other things that happen are he has some abstract conversations to god or jesus and um the fool the the fool's actor friend whoever he is he um sleeps with the smith's wife and then the smith is like mad at him Uh and um then the smith is going to kill him and then in probably one of my favorite scenes of the film where the Smith just kind of changes his mind about it, and then the actor die pretends to die because he's a good actor, but he's too good of an actor because Death decided that he did die, and he's going to yeah. take him.
1: Which is also, it's one of the silliest scenes because Death literally, as if it's like a Looney Tunes cartoon, all of a sudden, Death pulls out a right. saw and starts sawing the tree down that he's Like, he... He, so, I, must, I always assume that anyone who's listening to this has already seen the movie but just in case you haven't this guy fakes his own death because he's an actor, he has a fake prop knife uh, and then climbs up in a tree so that like a bear won't get him while he's smart. sleeping smart and move because yeah, black bears uh, can't clever guy. no I mean, not they, black well, bears
0: can climb one of them can't climb the normal yeah. bear can't climb I'm pretty sure
1: a normal bear. So
0: I don't know what bears are in Sweden, though. So, I have no idea. Yeah,
1: he's worried about a normal Swedish <laughs> right. bear, and uh, but it is during the Crusades, so maybe bears are more of a thing back then. Anyway, he climbs this tree to go to sleep, which in my mind is not a smart thing to do. I feel like I would fall out of a tree. But Death shows up, pulls out a saw, and just starts cutting down the tree. Which I feel like he doesn't have to do. I feel like he can just wave his hand and the guy will be dead. And yet he just goes to work cutting this tree down. Also, I, I, I typically don't like to criticize small, silly things in a movie. But he's not that high up in the tree. If the tree fell, he would not die. He's like five feet in the air.
0: No, but it's just it's just kind of the... And I, and I would agree that like, this is probably a scene that did we need it i don't know but it was just like it just seemed to be playing for laughs like i don't know if it was supposed to mean anything besides just be funny like i
1: yeah no i think it's like a dry Swedish humor, which thing. i'm
0: fine with but it's just kind of like in this very serious film most of the time
1: well i shouldn't
0: you know the fool has some very funny lines and um does some funny mm-hmm. uh, you know aerobics not aerobics, um whatever you want to call it uh tumbling He does some funny tumbles. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh So, I mean, I guess there is that. But, um, in the end, after, like, after that, um, after he dies, then it's kind of weird because it's like, there, it's just, it's very a travel movie. And I guess the other things that happen during this film that we haven't really talked about, like, plot wise anyway, is that there's, everyone's dying from the plague. And there's just this brutal killing of small, of young women that's just going on twice that we see. Right, there's... Um, and...
1: Mm-hmm. Also, a subplot I forgot about was, like, the woman being burned as a witch or being in cahoots with right. the devil. Right. Which is the same thing as being a witch in back in the day. And, uh, yeah, I, I completely forgot about that subplot. And what's funny is they... An unintentionally funny moment, if you noticed, was the knight meets the the witch, and you know she's all chained up and she's gonna get burned, and they say don't get near her. She might she started the plague, and then he gets very close to her, so he's like breathing next to her and talking, and of course during the pandemic that just made me laugh because someone's like, imagine if they were like, don't talk to her. She has COVID, and the knight's like, hey hey, what are you? You are und- you, okay? you understand that like, there's. There's very no witches,
0: close. right? And they were just showing that these innocent people were just getting brutally murdered for no reason, like that. That was, uh, you
1: yeah, know, I'm call- <laughs> I'm calling her that shorthand. But well, you you might be forgetting that later he talks to her and she just confirms with him, like, yes, I have been in cahoots with the devil. It's very She's easy not, to see. I don't she,
0: think she was being. I mean, when she was asking him, like, what do you see, and she said nothing. She's like, he's right there. He's right beside me the whole time. It's like i don't right. think she was
1: that's, that to me sounds like an intimate relationship okay. I,
0: I did not read that like that i was just like she's
1: i mean her eyes are like bugged out the whole time to me she's like, yes, this I see
0: this movie right movie seemed crazy. like they were saying this was horrific and that there were like the witches weren't actually cahoots with the devil that's that's what that's I, my I think, reading oh.
1: I think both could be true. Many innocent lives were sacrificed. However, some, some people,
0: people were like, witches. Lost yeah, their yeah. minds.
1: Well, no, no, not they were witches, but some people. Oh, were,
0: so you're saying you know, that she she schizo- she was mentally disabled or something. or something?
1: Okay. Mentally ill, sure. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I was thinking that she was more aligned, saying that there was no God in that scene. I guess that's what my reading was—that there was no supernatural thing. I guess I could go to my notes on yeah, that scene. I mean,
1: I could. I understand that reading. I think it's intentionally ambiguous as to whether the audience sees her as crazy or a victim or both. Whether she's fucking with the knight or whether she's actually having visions. I'm sure the guy that gave it a one star review found that difficult to interpret. Also,
0: <laughs> I read. Mean, I guess here's my notes on it. Um, she asks. He he wants to talk to the devil. Um, is what he asks her, and she's like. Can't, can't you see what do you see in my eyes and he he says nothing and she says exactly and then she also confirms that the devil's with her all the time and then we do see the death driving right behind her, behind her.
1: i mean to me that that shows the the, the like there's this ironic tragedy that's happening is like yes we believe that they are burning people at the stake for no reason because they're just paranoid and
0: but i guess i saw that as the knight sees death around him all the time so just like because she's about to die of course death is there and she can see him just like the knight can see him
1: i think what i took that for was if you look at her as like a sort of the gender inversion of the fool so yeah i saw her as like this sort of gender critique of yeah when a woman has visions it's evil when a man has visions it's like Endearing somehow. I'm just
0: like, what sources, what information did we get that she actually has visions? I mean,
1: I mean, I was just going based on her performance, and when she tells the knight very flatly, yes, I see him right now, and her eyes are like bugged out of her head, and she looks quite But to
0: me, it was just like, she sees him just like the knight sees him, which we know that we don't think the knight is a witch, we just think, hey.
1: Oh, you're saying she sees him Yes, because, because she's
0: about to, to die. She's exactly. about to die. Yeah,
1: okay that i understand so
0: that i mean that's what my reading was i was like she is probably very scared because she's about to die and she is having a vision now but i thought it was very anti-church and i felt like these um people that were being murdered and killed were purposely shown to be kind of um young children you know that's i felt like that was kind of the vibe that they were trying to show us just these are the people that these you know religious figures were just brutally murdering which was done really well and effective and just how casual they kill people um, for the plague and how Mm -hmm. they handle death I thought I I guess to the reviewers point it wasn't done with any drama it just happens caustically which I thought was Mm -hmm. great because that is how death happens you know it's like it's an everyday occurrence it's not you know, there's no epiphany. You know, there's not nothing. But, yeah, but anyway, so, like, that's one of the pit stops the knight takes. And then they, the knight loses at chess. And the chess, I will say, is a very small part of this. Like, it shows them playing, like, for 10, 20 seconds in these, like, short scenes sometimes. It is not, it's not mm-hmm. as nearly as much in the film as I thought it was, having seen this before. Because it is such...
1: Yeah, I also, well I think it's because it's such an a, iconic series of images that it sort of like eclipses a lot of the other movie. It's it's so memorable of an image that yeah, I also thought that chess was took up much more time in the movie in my memory.
0: Yeah, but it it really did not
1: no, it's it's out. You know they go back to it four or five times for a couple minutes throughout the movie.
0: That's the other reason why I would like completely disagree with anyone who said that this movie was slow because it moves and the edits are fast. I mean you, you want to compare it to like a, a Nolan movie which we talk about occasionally. Like he has very long boring scenes where nothing happens. That's not what happened in, in this film right. it, it, but
1: here's the difference. What what Nolan does is when nothing's happening, he spins. He's moving he spins the camera the constantly. He spins the camera while people are talking about right. nothing, and so that's that's a real distinction for a lot of contemporary viewers. The is camera. like if the camera is still, even if a lot is happening within the frame. I mean Bergman is is much more like theater. I mean he is a theater director, and so there is that like stationary sense of like I'm sitting in my seat and the action is happening on the stage in front of me. I think that's. Well, like you said, no matter what's happening, people are going to think it's boring because um, it's black and white in its subtitles. Need... Yeah. Well, and also because the camera's not moving very yeah. much. Although when it does, it's very, it's usually very impressive in a technical way because the the fight most scene of the camera were just yeah. stationary. Yeah. The fight,
0: fight scene, scene was really impressive. I remember thinking of that specifically because I was just like, "Wow!" And the, and it's like we're still in the same like it still still felt like the same shot. The continuity was great, and and I was right. Yeah.
1: The editing is fantastic in the fight yeah. scene.
0: But then, but yeah, anyway. let me just finish saying, like, what happens, just so if you haven't seen it, you get, like, at least the plot, what happens. And so death is like, the chess is over, I'm now going to kill you, and everyone else that you're, like, your family and your loved ones too, which I felt like was kind of a strange mm-hmm. ad. And then we get...
1: Yeah, it seems unfair, but then I remembered, oh, right, the plague so if one of them got it, all would get it right
0: yeah that's that makes a lot of sense yeah um and i wasn't sure if the rest of i mean a lot of the movie is kind of an abstract world even though a lot of it seems like it could just be a regular place but like the there's a storm and we see they separate and we see the the joker and his wife and their baby they're they're fine they're like literally running from death which i thought was just a great moment because i was like you're running from this thing Mm -hmm. you can't see and i was like
1: this spectral spectral force and i was like this
0: is great because it's like they use the storm to kind of be like oh we got to get which i'm just like why are you running from a storm but i mean i got what they were doing (laughs) and
1: it's a wild visual metaphor for sure and
0: then The knight and his crew and also some of the people that we've been with the whole time are still there with him like the squires there um the smith is there right the smith and lisa are there too Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's everybody and then some other people we didn't know like his his wife for one and um you know and they're like in a it looks like a it's kind of strange how we just go there because i'm like it's clear that he's home so it's like he's we're in this castle almost location all of a sudden which I felt very. that's why I'm like how is this at all supposed to be realistic where it's like we're all of a sudden in this completely different location but I don't know I wasn't, I wasn't quite yeah. sure how to read that No, no,
1: no. I mean my view I guess I didn't think about it too much I kind of gave it the benefit of the doubt but I know what you're talking about and I felt like this was we go to the castle because this is like maybe they've already died I felt like this was like a sort of limbo like a between state and maybe their bodies had already died, but they were now... They, you know, a lot of myths talk about how there's this process of, like, the soul, like, accepting death, and you don't realize you're dead yet, and you sort of have to go through this usually kind of nightmarish scenario. Although this, not very nightmarish. Half of them, like, seemed to be happy and accept what's, what was going on. The woman in particular seemed, like, stoked to see death. Like, she was almost turned on. Did you notice that? I don't that? know
0: if I would say that she was, like, turned on, but she definitely... Was, had this attitude of like, I've been waiting for you, you're finally here, let's get this over with, what right. took you so long, which almost, it almost okay. does like, did they all die a plague in the house at the same time, and this is just like what right. he was thinking about, I mean, could be, I, I mean.
1: Yeah, I, I took it as that, because, I mean, Bergman's always very sort of Freudian, and so, you know, the death drive, and, you know, sex and death are always intimately intertwined and also that that actress is just typically very sultry in a lot of Bergman movies and so to me she was like beckoning death towards her of like she was saying like yes finally but to me there was like a sensual element to her because they kept cutting back to her staring at him right and there was like a real I thought there was like this sensual tension
0: no and I think that 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 I mean that's basically the plot but yeah, yeah I think that the I, if we want to talk about, like, the, the metaphorical language in it, I would say there was a strong sense of, like, we needed to see sex and creation, like, a lot in this film on the other side of death. And so, uh, like, with the, the purpose of the subplot of the the Smith and Lisa and then the actor, like, that was just all about, you know... Uh, sex and creation i thought you know even though it was Mm -hmm. kind of silly and played for laughs a little bit too but it was like it just seemed very purposeful and then the the child in so many scenes you know this new life yeah the
1: the fool and the maiden's baby
0: which yeah did you catch how it was a different baby (laughs) like in the first scene in the first scene it's like such a young baby and then all of a sudden it looks like it's a child of like two to three like so uh, yeah right i was like early on i mean yeah
1: maybe they could only rent the baby first i mean time. you do
0: wonder in movies you're just like that looks like a young baby why are, uh, the baby looked too young in the first scene and then it was a much older child later and i was more okay with it i was like oh that, that child looks yeah. much
1: yeah. well i mean also time is pretty uh yeah but the I don't want to say abstract in this movie, but then it's but very real. It's, uh, you don't know how much time has passed because they are. I mean, let's face it. Back in back in those days, you would just wander the countryside from town to town for months. You know, um, especially as like traveling performers.
0: There was there was part of me when when I saw the baby get older. I was like, as time passed a lot, but then the the guy. That was chasing down his wife was like introduced and then he was there like the next day which made it seem like all closer together in time but but who knows you're right there were some scenes where you're just like i don't know how much time has passed between these two moments Uh, um,
1: right i think i just chalked it up to sort of the wandering nomad culture of the, the the traveling performers and also just knights back in the day Uh,
0: (laughs) (laughs) sorry, I was just like,
1: (laughs) yeah, I mean, knights used to wander, knights would just wander the countryside looking for a crusade. I mean,
0: you are, you you are an expert on knights and their whereabouts, right? Yes, I did study,
1: I know a lot about mythology, and as we know, uh, knights did not exist, they were just myths.
0: Now, were they actually virtuous, do you know?
1: Depends on the knight.
0: Did, did they have an oath that they had to like swear to protect maidens and stuff
1: oh sure yeah a lot of them are sworn in but I mean if we get into like Arthurian legends and stuff there are bad knights there's like uh the red knight you know red for m- murder the red knight is a bad boy so you know I don't know uh, what was your question okay well let
0: let's move it on let's talk, let's talk about Um, our general reflections of this film here and we can just go back and forth through these questions um so first one here uh did your eyes feel good as you watched it
1: yeah yeah my eyes felt pretty good um i wasn't too sleepy but i also wasn't like super awake so i was like kind of half processing what was happening and uh, I'm surprised that I remembered as much as I did. That I think that's a testament to how memorable the film is, despite the fact that I remembered very little of it until the second viewing. So, yes, my eyes felt great. What about your...
0: Uh- uh, yeah, I mean, visually, I would say that that was probably the best aspect of this film and i feel like like everything because i do take the notes while i watch these i never like can watch it and honestly just if you have kids it's hard to do anything for like an hour and a half it's just it's very difficult for you to, to sit and do one yeah. thing for a while so you so you have to kind of break stuff up
1: yeah. i don't know what that's like
0: you kind of you know have to break like. stuff I mean, up
1: can't, you can't just leave the kid alone to like do, you can't trust the kid to just do its thing
0: I mean you can it just needs but like attention. It, there's a lot of stuff that it can hurt itself very easily. They don't They don't tell you hmm. about this when you get a child that they hurt themselves very easily. you know when they start walking, they'll just really? fall down and um, our child yeah, will try that. to go up and down the stairs on their own and so we have to like block wow. it off, but it'll still try to do it anyway. and
1: Now how, how old is it?
0: Um, she is 17 months. She's 17 months right now, so she's she's gonna be about a year and a half here pretty soon.
1: I love how parents always speak in months. Well,
0: it's you so do weeks me, at they, first? Why
1: can't you just be like almost yeah. two years old? Well, she'll turn two. She's and... not
0: almost two years old. Well,
1: when's her, uh, when's her birthday?
0: Uh, July 16th. I want to say July 16th. I'm always now I'm like July 16th or the 17th. It's one or the other.
1: What what does that make her a Leo? I, I don't know. Or something. I purposely
0: you know? just don't yeah. pay attention to that even even though i've had so many people tell me what i am i still don't know and i'm, I'm, fi- I, when's I'm your, fine i'm fine not knowing
1: that's when's just, your birthday let's
0: just move on all right
1: are you you're, that's I, I, such a kind of too. <laughs>
0: see i'm just like i guess i hate the like the personality test and all of that stuff is just bogus and oh, yeah. um
1: well they're all this has come up briefly but they're all it's all pataphysics. it's all it's made up right
0: and it works because you of course are a complicated person and you can see your personality in almost any list of characteristics you can see how you would
1: fit. something I noticed when I lived in California is that I became pretty well versed in astrology not out of belief but out of habit because so many people would ask or would divulge and it seemed it always seemed to me that it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy situation where like if you if you know that you're a cancer and you know all the personality traits, you go, Yes, that's me and you start to behave in that way. Especially if you're the type that like actually goes so far as to read your horoscope every week or whatever. I always find it amusing when people hold it really close to the chest and are like, Well, I'm a Pisces, so you know, as if it's some excuse for their behavior. And yeah, I think that's actually the thing with astrology, is it's it allows people to excuse parts of their behavior that sh- should be sort of inexcusable yeah
0: it's kind of like my problem with that pixar film um inside out i think is what it was called mm-hmm. where it was just i was trying to like explain that you basically have no control of your actions because you have like these crazy kooky characters in your head switching the dials yeah. and then you're down there like i don't know what to do
1: it's, yeah it's very okay. deterministic in a weird way and you know i can i can get on board with some of the logic of astrology, of like, oh, well, the cosmos is is so complex that, of course, there's a certain amount of gravity coming from Saturn or Jupiter, and, you know, that's affecting our moods to some extent, and it's like, yeah, I mean, it could be it's affecting the weather, so it could be affecting our moods, it could be affecting everything, who knows? But, uh, so, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt when they talk about the more, like, cosmic stuff. I'm like, yeah, the universe is enormous, of course stuff is going to affect us. But, when it gets down to this tiny little thing of, like, well i'm a scorpio so i'm jealous and it's just like no you don't you don't have to be that's ridiculous but yeah i don't know i always find astrology very amusing because when i lived in california it became like a kind of currency it was like a new language you had to speak like i got so good at it i was able to guess what signs people were and they'd be like oh my god how'd you do that and i just it was it's a it I find it very funny. This is not
0: related to No, no, it's, it's fine. And honestly, like, I, for a lot of things, I, like, as I get older, I try to just kind of, like, whatever, just kind of let people have their moments. And I'm like, I'm not. But, like, when people try to talk to me about astrology, like, I just completely shut, because I just do not care. But I'm also actively against you putting ideas in my head that I could possibly fixate on. And I'm, like, so against that idea. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want your prediction...
1: Well, it's all, because pro- it's, a, it's but, a lot of projection. But
0: so. things that you think about can have effect over you. And so that's what I'm like. I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think there's any power in astrology, but I think that if you say something about me, there's a chance I could think about it, you know, and that could affect me. And I'm like...
1: Right, and that's why I think it's a self-fulfilling thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think if a Leo didn't know all the traits of a Leo, they might turn out to be a very different person. Yeah. Because right? if somebody says, this is what... People born in your month are yeah. I think you're right. That's going to affect your consciousness in some way, and, and it becomes self
0: fulfilling. But I but I guess if like people are just trying to like be more accepting of their personality, I guess that could be healthy. I mean, you you ultimately you want to just accept yourself, um, whatever that is, and be understanding to yourself. But like it does just seem like. A shortcut to be like, oh, I took the Meyer bricks and I'm this person, or astrology tells me I'm this person, mm-hmm. so that must be who I am. Let me just move on with my life. I'm like, I feel like you should do more. You should right. know, get to know yourself at a better level than that.
1: You can investigate, and I think the thing that a lot of people that that really dive into it and take it as fact don't take into account is that, I mean, it's it's like anything. It's like the tarot or anything else. It's it's just a system of metaphors. That you can superimpose on your life and go, oh, that's one way of understanding or deriving meaning from this situation or this trauma I went through. And that relates to, you know, like we've been talking with this movie, the fool archetype or whatever. Or that relates to the, the process that the Sagittarius goes through or, you know, whatever it is. But yeah, I think it's just this like system of metaphors that is really interesting. Like I said, I'm always interested in myth, which is basically what it is. Yeah, I I just wonder if people take it a little too literally instead of having a little, like, aesthetic distance from it. Because I could get my tarot read and be like, oh, that's interesting, I can apply that metaphor to how this happened. But do I take it as, like, cosmic law? See,
0: I feel like that instinct that you're talking about, like, assigning meaning to aspects of your life, for me, is dangerous, Mm -hmm. and I don't like doing that. Like, I feel like it is something that it's very easy for me to like watch a movie or read a book like and i think most of us we're all trained to it to like figure out the meaning of different things like in this movie like Mm -hmm. what happened here like let's look at the context and interpret what it means right and we can do that Um, but when we try to apply those same skills to things in our lives they don't work and i would say that they're almost dangerous Mm -hmm. to even look at your life as something that you could go well, this happened because of this. Let me dig into that a little bit more. Like, that that I just think is yeah. is something I do have an instinct to do, and I'm like, shut it down. It's dangerous. Because I feel like mm-hmm. when you start thinking about what did this mean or what did that mean, and, like, I'm just not, you know, am I on the right path or am I on the wrong path? And, like, if I had done this little thing different, mm-hmm. you know, I would be over here, but now I'm over here. And
1: yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think that's a good uh, practice that you're talking about is, is noticing when your brain does that and trying to sort of pump the brakes a little bit. Because I, one pet peeve I have is when somebody goes through a difficult time or a different relationship, loses their job, whatever it is, and then they look back on it. And the phrase that I have a pet peeve about is uh, it, was it was meant, meant to be. Meant to be. It was meant to be. It was like, oh, if I hadn't lost my job, I wouldn't have uh, met this person who I'm now dating. It was you meant know? to so be, it was, right. it was meant to be. And it's like, no, those two things aren't necessarily related. Like, this cause and effect, there's a weird cause and effect thing that happens in retrospect. And it's like, oh, because a bad thing happened, a good thing eventually happened because I had a different day. <laughs>
0: well it's like it's almost like so they must
1: be related
0: it almost like takes everything out of else out of account it's like well do you realize you would have rolled the dice in whatever else you were doing but i would say it is dangerous when you look at your own life like i can think about like moments that were so huge that ended up Mm -hmm. you know i'm married to the person i am or you know Mm -hmm. even like when we decided to have a child and how they weren't these significant things or choices at the time, and so now I can look back and be like, "Oh well, if we had done this one thing differently, this yeah, whole, my whole—that's whole, always a
1: trap. But that—that's a real thought to do the to do the coulda, shoulda, woulda. Right, such a bad line of thought, you know.
0: But that, but that's the whole problem with looking at your life in that way because it's not a series of choices that you can f- actually take. Like I always do this. I'm like, have you ever? I guess because I would used to be really mad when I would get like a speeding ticket, and I would be like, man, if I just. Why can't I just do one thing differently that I wouldn't have gotten the speeding ticket?
1: If I had turned left and the cop hadn't been there,
0: Right, exactly. But then, because I used to really get mad at myself for stuff like that, and then I would, Mm -hmm. and I I had to like really remind myself. It's like when I made that choice, it wasn't between getting a speeding ticket or not. It was between going a little faster down this road. Something I didn't even Mm -hmm. think about while I was doing
1: trying to get trying to get home a little quicker.
0: Right, and I'm like, what I need to do is go slower all the time and not like just be like oh i should have just magically figured out to go slower at this one time you know Uh but like
1: because well you were following an impulse too
0: but you but when you talk to people i feel like we're all kind of guilty of doing that and i feel like i Mm -hmm. still can feel myself like judging myself on those those retro you know like now knowing what i know now how dumb could i have been and and that's always the wrong Uh because it's like it's like yeah, you have the information now. You didn't make that choice. You know, you made a different right. choice,
1: and uh, you learned from it, right? And I think driving is actually a fine metaphor for that. And you know, I said pump the brakes a couple of minutes ago, but when I always find that if I am speeding, and then, for instance, I just come up on someone who's going slow, or even is just going the speed limit, uh, instead of, you know, I'm not a road rage kind of person, but I will have that moment of like, oh, I want to go faster, and this person is going 30 miles per hour, and then I, I've gotten into a habit of turning into a meditation, where I'll be like, all right, this is an opportunity for patience, I can practice presence right now, you know, inhale, I might turn the music down, and just sort of like be okay with going five miles under the speed limit, you know, behind this old person or whatever. So I don't know if you've ever tried that, but I find... Because I speed naturally. I'm very comfortable just going 50 miles per hour. That's like, that works for my, whatever it is about, you know, the world passing by in my periphery that quickly, my brain is just very comfortable with that. Yeah. Anyway, opportunities for presence, I think are important. And for me, getting behind a slow car is a great a great one.
0: When I realized that by driving my car too fast, I was actually killing my engine on my car. <laughs> That's when I started driving slower. Um, I did like... A lot of basic research it's actually very similar to health i'm like you eat healthy food you live longer you drive your car slower it lasts a lot longer yeah i mean that's how your car basically dies early is because you're Mm -hmm. going too fast and making too big changes between slow and fast slow and fast so so i'm like for me i always try to think when i go slow i'm like i'm saving my car i'm saving money in time later when i'm driving slow
1: it's always funny when people talk about highway miles like well i i try to take the highway not only to get there quicker because it's better for your car and it's like well no highway miles are better for your car if you're going a hundred miles right instead of all these fits and starts you know
0: right and and that's if you're going at a pretty slow consistent speed on like I mean we're talking like more like 60 miles an hour I mean it depends on what your RPMs right, not, not that right. we need to get into this camera con- but yeah no. but but basically driving slow and and living your life in the moment saves you time later and so yeah yes. if you have road rage and it's a problem for you um, I, I would definitely encourage you to just take a moment breathe take a breath, take a breath. yeah it, it does help but yeah, anyway, so I guess we, we're still talking about these topics. Um, I guess the sound, uh, what did you think? What, what about your ears? How did they feel?
1: My ears felt okay. I don't understand Swedish. The music, a little old-timey, a little archaic, a little silly even. But in general, just fine. My ears felt fine. <laughs>
0: Okay. I felt like that just took a lot of thought. Yeah, I guess I'm just going to be quick with my ears here. The sound editing, the sound mixing was really good. I don't know if it's just the remastered version that I watched that sounds a lot better than the original or not, but it sounded great. Like, no real sound issues. I will agree that the music seemed a little over dramatic at times you know it almost was fine and I really enjoyed it most of the time but then there was a few moments where it was like dramatic and they did have the big like dun-dun you know and it was just kind of like yeah. and it just it did kind of thud you know it was just kind of like eh, maybe just could have yeah, backed off. Unnecessary. Yeah and the music in general was pretty sparse and I feel like that's why I even was like yeah I could have done without that but doesn't you know it was fine you know Mm -hmm. it was i yeah i would say better than most movies in this time period um but
1: yeah in terms of in terms of sound editing for the dialogue and and some of the foley stuff yeah yeah uh, yeah, exactly yeah some of the some of the music was overly dramatic and it's very noticeable because it is so sparse
0: Yeah, I completely agree with that. But I would say, like, the chanting of the religious people, so scary, so well done. Like, I imagine that was all done, like, you know, after the fact and then put in. But it it sounded great um, Mm -hmm. and just really ominous and scary.
1: Speaking of ominous, the message of the movie, what is it? Do you like it?
0: Yeah, I'm going to make this short. I mean, the message is basically there is no God, there is no afterlife, and you should just accept death, and couldn't agree more. Live in the moment. There's nothing after this. You need to accept it and be happier, and um, yeah, that's, that's all I got.
1: Wow. Uh, could not disagree more with that take. They are literally the entire movie talking to an otherworldly entity who is taking them to the afterlife.
0: No afterlife. Uh,
1: there is there is plenty of supernatural things happening in this movie, which you know say what you will about you know the death of God, the existence of God. I don't want to get into the whole atheist, agnostic thing again, but uh, they're literally talking to a supernatural entity the entire movie, mm-hmm. and there is a character who can see supernatural things happening in his visions. So whether we want to talk about that's death, just yeah, a metaphor. Like God, that, that's
0: nothing to do with the message. It's just a met- metaphor for death. I
1: think the only message is that you cannot know, and that's why the 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 knight desperately wants to know. The, I think the message is you can't know. Not there's no certainty to the message. They're like, nope, there is nothing. The message is you're you're not allowed to know. But I do agree that it is symbolic, that it is a bunch of metaphors. But like you said, just like the whether it's whether it's mythology, or the tarot, or astrology. You know, you were talking about how it's dangerous to put meaning on any part of your life. And I think that's what the knight is trying to do, and that's why he's suffering so much. Whereas I think if you take a step back and just see it for what it is, which is a set of metaphors that you can kind of superimpose over your life story, I think that's a much healthier way to deal with it, because we all narrativize our life to some extent. And we can say, you know, I was like the fool in the tarot, or I was being like my astrological sign says I'm supposed to be, that kind of thing. Um, or I can relate to this myth of the Red Knight and the Fisher King or whatever. And so I think there's a big difference between ap- applying meaning to your life versus narrativi- narrativizing it. Do you know what I mean?
0: I do. I guess I'm just going to show you what I'm talking about with uh, evidence that there there's nothing after... Um, I would say the knight more specifically is talking to Jesus throughout this. And even in the last scene, he's asking for intervention. He says, God, where are you? Why don't you save me? And then there's dialogue with death. And death says, I quote, I have no secrets. That seems pretty clear to me that there is nothing after death.
1: That is the most ambiguous statement in the world. I have no secrets. I'm just
0: taking it literally.
1: Well, I think it's it's foolish to take a otherworldly <laughs> other being literally. He literally speaks in riddles. I, I guess the entire movie. I'm just, eh,
0: I would say he most of the time the death character speaks like I think what well, you could interpret literally how the the writer of this feels about um, mm-hmm. what death is like as an idea. And so I think that I think the idea like it's saying I have no secrets to me is is. And then the other character, basically asking for God, asking for some kind of angelic intervention, and not getting an answer, and that being very clear there, seems to be suggesting that there's nothing.
1: Well, I think the key words there are "seems to be suggesting" and interpretation. Well, uh, based on text every, and the story is, and the and the quotes, I mean. Well, no, I would I would argue that the dance of death, one of the final images, the celebration. Up on the hilltop where they're all locked in arms together in this iconic image of them traipsing across the countryside into the potential afterlife or at least into death uh, it's a celebration right that image to me speaks volumes uh, much more so than death being a little glib and saying I have no secrets which by the way whether it's death or the devil or whatever you want to call it whether it's just a symbol or whether it's an actual entity there so it doesn't really matter because you can't trust him. <laughs> you can't trust death. Throughout, especially if we're going throughout history. Death tries to trick people all the time. The devil's a liar. You know. Uh, this is. I realize that death and the devil are separate entities, but for the purposes of this movie, they're literally referred to as the same thing by the by the woman being burned. Suffice to say, I think we interpret this movie in different ways.
0: Yeah, I have a completely different take on death. See, to me, death seemed very nice and genuine, and I don't think there was anything he said that wasn't literally what he actually felt and true. I didn't see any tricks from the death character, really, in any scene or any of his dialogue. He just, he was very just I'm here, and I'm going to take you. And he seemed fine with the chess game, because he knew in the end, he was going to get him anyway. So it didn't really bother him. That
1: I can agree with. Uh, I don't think he was outwardly trying to trick anyone. Um, Except for maybe the guy he cut down from a tree. But I do think that he sort of holds his cards close to the chest, or however you want to say it, where he never answers any questions. And you're interpreting that as, well, there are no answers, which is fine. But I mean, he gave me no reason
0: to think otherwise. My
1: general view of all the mythologies of the death character whether it's cronus or whether it's you know hades or whoever they're they're still bound by this sort of like cosmic contract where they're like no you're not allowed to tell mortals how things work
0: right which i and i and i understand but i would i would suggest that this film only takes the ideas but none of the characterization seems greek mythology to me because I guess we don't have oh, any, no, any
1: mythology whether it's celtic or, or Native American I mean it's all the same
0: but like I'm saying Native that Native like like having death as like almost even a god flesh
1: and blood character
0: yeah with a personality I would say that the death almost had an absence of personality like there was mm-hmm. and so but anyway we don't have to we have different takes on it but that's but that's why yeah. that's why I, I'm reading it like that because of the very it's just seemed very genuine to me that the character of death didn't seem warm but he didn't seem cold either he just seemed like neutral yeah exactly
1: yeah and i i agree and i i can i'm totally i'm not bothered by your interpretation at all i think it's fine i think it's fitting with your worldview yeah as I'm as, as, as yours that, apparently and i'm just saying uh my worldview is also being superimposed on my interpretation just as you're doing uh and I think my only real rebuttal is you're not taking into the fact that the fool seeing visions is a, is able to see this supernatural entity and that, uh, and that, that to me says quite a lot.
0: I, I see that I, I, t- I definitely take that point, and I I, my, I guess if I would talk about those those visuals to me, would still I would still probably see them as more symbolic as almost of a funeral or a passing on. And not necessarily have to, but yeah, it's different takes on that. But I can see why you're like, oh, maybe he really is, because I guess I'm I'm seeing almost the entire film as in an abstract and no, almost nothing literally Wait, happening. So nothing's
1: literally happening, but the death characters with speaking the, literally?
0: with the exception probably of the fool and because I, I, yeah, I guess then you got you can kind of get into more specifics about like what is really happening, what isn't, but it is. A, a lot of the stuff in the with death it's like we don't see him and then some characters the only ones who can see him are the characters that ultimately die. The fool doesn't die And yeah, I guess I was just really seeing that as this idea of death and just kind of always being around you, which is a very mm-hmm. um, it is kind of more of an atheist pers- perspective or and I, I don't know
1: just to, and that's true. Mm-hmm. I do think that, that that is Bergman's intention that death is always looming around the corner. but I think for me as a viewer, the saving grace of the film which I also think is Bergman's perspective is the fool the knight struggles with his faith Right. right the whole movie whereas the fool uh, naively you might say believes and he's more open to the I want to call it just sort of the other realities that are happening concurrently and that's why he's able to sort of pierce the veil and, and see Father Time, even though he's not there for him. Through that, there's this, there's this classic irony throughout all mythology, which is like, the more naive person uh, is more receptive to you know, other facets of reality that most people cannot see. Like his wife can't see it, right? And I think Bergman is definitely playing with that and is, is giving us, even though his main characters are subsumed in doubt, he's still injecting this other character who is so likable that he's saying, but you can't really be sure. And I think the fool does that really well in the narrative. I think the fool presents this like little, not a glimmer of hope, but a don't be too certain. Don't be too sure because this, you know, you might relate more to the knight, but let's not forget that the fool is this really endearing character which we both agreed is like our, the best part of the
0: movie well yeah i would agree that the fool is there to show you that he does know something that the other characters don't know and i would argue that's how to live your life and the fool is living his life purposefully where the night really isn't mm-hmm. and so i guess that's where i take what he's seeing like as a vision i'm like that's not really what it's talking about it's talking about how he's focused on what he can what's really right in front of him his wife his child you know he's focused on the here and now and he's not burdening his life thinking about oh what is this vision what does it mean let, let me just obsess over it like he's not even thinking about that at all he, he's mm-hmm. he's living life right you know
1: no i agree and i i think maybe the more supernatural thing i'm suggesting um is that when you actually achieve that state of like presence you just sort of incidentally become more aware of certain facets of reality that were always there but you were too burdened by your thinking of the past and the future to be able to perceive them does that make sense
0: no it, it I mean it does but I guess I guess whenever we get in these conversations I'm like you know I'm, I'm definitely someone who has like like enjoyed the silence and like really focused on being alone and being in the, in the moment and like, I, I can have really great experiences that I think other people might interpret as something else. And so that's why I always kind of just become hesitant to be like, you know, when you focus on your breathing, when you meditate, you know, and, if you, and I feel like for me when I first started meditating, it was like the, the half an hour point is really where something amazing can happen. And you can really feel like a moment. And, you know, if I was religious, I know I would interpret that moment a lot differently. Um, th- than I do. So I guess that's kind of like the context that I take those kind of things in where I'm just like, is there things that are amazing that you don't notice? Absolutely, there are. But I, I guess are those things supernatural? Mm, maybe not. You know. Maybe they're just amazing things about your body like just how amazing air is and when when you focus on your breathing all of a sudden you got more oxygen and your in your blood you're gonna feel amazing you know but there's nothing supernatural about that you know
1: well I think when we use these words whether it's religious or supernatural or soul or whatever um, you know when you talk about the power of the breath that does affect your consciousness and that's why you have this moment of calm or this moment of peace or, or a fuller kind of awareness And, like, when I, if I ever say the word soul, I literally just mean consciousness. That's it. Uh, I don't think there's anything particularly supernatural about that. And I was just saying supernatural because we were talking about this specter of death who is able to be seen in the movie. But, yeah, I'm not suggesting that breathing is supernatural in any way.
0: No, I was just going to say it's hard to find the right terminology sometimes when you're talking about, like, expressions of ideas, when you're just like, oh, well... Because you're interpreting these tone things that I do think are a little bit more nuanced, you know, where you're like saying, well, this is the tone. And I'm like, when you are reading subtitles, Mm -hmm. that is something you can miss, a tone thing. And I would say that I would probably need to watch a commentary to really think, Uh
1: um,
0: or learn Swedish, one or the other, to really feel like I could understand the Um, the tone of some of the stuff. When
1: it comes to words, I think this is another, like, we have different worldviews, which is why it's fun to talk. But I think that, you know, clearly if I say the word supernatural, your perspe- that you're like a little irked by that of like, well, there is no supernatural. So if we could find like a happy middle ground word, that, that would be nice. But I don't know what that word is yet, you know. Um, I would like to, to, to wrap this little tangent up. I'd like to actually keep this up for subsequent viewings. Like we should just, this whole season season three or whatever, should be, (laughs) should be, like, (laughs) not supernatural movies, but sort of, like, afterlife-oriented movies, like, um, have you ever seen, uh, like, Wings of Desire, or... No,
0: I've never seen Wings of Desire. It's
1: fantastic, um, and, like, have you ever seen Holy Motors? That's a contemporary movie? No. Hilarious, a lot of fun, um, although that, that's a weird one. That one's super ambiguous in terms of what's actually happening. Uh, I don't know if I would call it an afterlife movie, but you are dealing with like some sort of. Both movies have this like sort of angel or angelic like character, but in the in Holy Motors, it's cool because it's like it's sort of the classic. It's not what we think of as like oh the angel is this holy thing that comes and saves you. It's like no angels actually have like wrath, and they the angels do terrible things sometimes. Um, so it's a more it's really fast, and anyway, we can talk about that not when we're not recording. Um, but I really like it, and I am recommending it. But yeah, actually, let's do Wings of Desire. I won't pick a kid's movie as a joke this time. Uh, uh, let, let's do Wings of Desire, because cause you haven't seen it.
0: I love that, and I love watching movies that we haven't seen. We should try to find movies that we both haven't seen because um, so far we've just watched we've talked about movies that we both have seen and it's definitely a different conversation yeah. when you're seeing and it for i the do first like time. i do really like the bouncing um,
1: back from uh like a top tier classic to like a contemporary movie but yeah maybe maybe my contemporary picks will stop being children's movies although i love sonic yeah
0: that's fine and have you seen all dogs go to heaven too
1: Two, no, but as a child, all dogs go to heaven was one of my favorites.
0: I like remember, <laughs> I remember having like nightmares about all dogs go to heaven too when really? I was younger. Like it just like the concept of hell was so scary to me as a child. <laughs> so, wow. so like it's terrifying. Uh, that, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it's like I was somebody who, who my parents told me and everybody told me it's like you know you if you die because it was it was always like death is right around the corner and i started thinking mm-hmm. about dying very young because um what was being told to me was like at any moment you could die and mm-hmm. i don't know if you're going to heaven or hell do you know can you wow. know you know and yeah. so it was it was that kind of scary so i was a kid that was well, like you know your parents saying the prayer well- every night you know right
1: your, well, your parents were yeah. what kind of religious? What kind of
0: Christian? Well, the non-denominational Christians, which is kind of difficult oh, okay. because non-denominational not is not well. No, non-denominational is a non-traditional term. Like it's not a group of people. So every different every non-denominational church is different. So okay. like I don't know what your exposure to non-denominational is, but it doesn't mean that it goes. But we, I would say that we were conservative Christians, and I would say that. That was kind of the circles that my family ran into. Um, I, I I don't he- remember hear hearing people speak like outwardly towards homosexuals. They weren't that weren't quite that bad, but everybody mm-hmm. did agree that it was like wrong and sinful. Um, to give you an idea, like so, it was yeah. it was pr- it was pretty. It, and like you know, speaking in tongues and the Holy Ghost, and you know, oh, wow. I was taught at a very young child mm-hmm. that all of this supernatural stuff is real and it's right around you all the time you know and so so yeah it wouldn't be uncommon i'm going to sleep and i'm like looking around the room and i'm like oh is that a demon there or like really to feel like my choices were being influenced by demons and angels because that was just something we all talked about all the time it's very real
1: this actually relates to the thing you were just talking about, which is they're sort of seeding your imagination, right? Uh, which is something that you've become very sort of reluctant towards, whether it's astrology or whatever. So that I can understand, I I was raised. Oh yeah, right. That makes sense. No, ap-
0: no, I oh apps. That's exactly why I'm talking about it. <laughs> I was like, this right. is why, like, like I'm so apprehensive to even like accept any kind of. Anything that's like non-literal or reality, right? Because um, they're projecting
1: yeah. their religious fears onto their kids, and the kid, and the kids, like totally spooked. At, you know, when that's really just unnecessary, <laughs> and the, not, and honestly and it's, not very practical in terms of mental health and like moving through society in a healthy way. Uh, oh, it's so really dangerous, not, not, and it's, just, it's so dangerous.
0: And it's really just because most people don't take it literally. And so when you have a kid like me who's going to believe his parents and be like, well, if all these adults are telling me this is true, then it must be. And yeah, that's what I feel like you grow up and you realize you're like, well, most people just don't really think about it that much. They're just kind of like right. moving on. Yeah. yeah.
1: Or, or a lot of, you know, it seemed like you were raised in a much more, um, uh, your house took religion much more seriously. My dad's side of the family was very sort of Christian in name only, not, not in deed. You know, it was like a badge they wore. Uh, you know, celebrate Christmas and maybe Easter. Go to church sometimes. But, yeah, my, my dad's side of the family is very Catholic with all the traditional trappings and bigotry and that kind of stuff. But, like, it's very casual. It's not, it's sort of, if you talk about the bigotry, it's downplayed. But it comes out in these, like, little microaggressions and stuff. Uh, And then my mom is just agnostic. She's just like, I don't know. No, I'm not going to go to church. You know, and so I had this, like, weird dichotomy growing up of, like, well, wait, how come mom doesn't have to go to church when I'm, like, being forced to? And then also seeing sort of the hypocrisy of, like, wait, you, you make me listen to all these things about Jesus, but then you do X, Y, or Z. You know, there was a lot of that, of, like, me as a very young child, noticing the hypocrisy of, like, not practicing what you preach, essentially. Right? So, yeah, I grew up with a very different... I
0: I feel like that's just the thing. It's like, when you meet somebody like that, you're just like, oh, you don't get it. That's just something we say. That's just part of my personality. That has nothing to do with who I am, you know? And I think that is, that is what, I, I feel like with my family, I feel like most of the people in my family aren't real believers. They're just kind of Well, this is the easier choice it's easier just to kind of say I believe and move on with my life and it would have been easier for me too and that's why I think there's a lot of people that are stuck in religion right now um, because they don't see another way out you know
1: Mm -hmm. you know something that I would when I was like college age something that I would bring up to people that sometimes would sort of wake them up a little bit was like, well, you were you were raised in America and you were raised Christian. If you had just been born in a different country, you would be Buddhist or Muslim, you know. And th- I think a lot of people, at up to a certain age, don't really consider that. They just think this is, you know, I don't want to call, I don't want to go so far as to call it indoctrination because I think there's like an intent there. And I think most of this, you know, generic religion where people don't really take it seriously, is just like, like I said, your parents sort of projecting it on you. It's like, well, this is what you do need to do to be accepted in the community. And it's just this very matter of fact thing without any real connection to the words of the scripture or anything like that. So yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird social bond thing, right? Yeah,
0: I mean I guess I wish I'd probably have less extreme views on religion if I grew up in a household where it was more just kind of like, Well, this is what we do, but it doesn't go beyond that. Like it probably you know, I'd probably be more you know, ambivalent, you know, I'd have mixed feelings about religion probably still, you know, but I wouldn't be as like this is this is dangerous, which is because for me it was and I'm definitely not the most extreme case. No, I think it is yeah
1: I think you're right. It is dangerous when taken to an extreme.
0: But even in moderation I would say, but it can be but anyway, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I
0: I think just Go ahead. No, I guess the only thing I'm gonna say, like introducing any kind of philosophy that you don't really know to a young child it's just wrong you know
1: yeah. well I mean this is just, just like it's it's ignorance and it's it's this sort of empty thinking I'm doing the right thing by passing this on despite like you said not really being very informed about it right and yeah you're right that can be very dangerous uh especially if the child takes it way too seriously right and the parent doesn't I mean I certainly asked a lot of provocative questions that I didn't realize were provocative when I was eight years old or whatever but yeah, like I said, I had a very different, I had like contrasting upbringings where when I definitely leaned more into the agnostic side of being like, well, well I don't know. We, we, it seems like based on the definition of God or supernatural entities or whatever it is, it seems like you can't know, you know, unless you have some transcendent experience, which, you know, as we've talked about before, I, I was a drug addict for many years and I have had pseudo religious experiences many times in my life and i've had strange dreams that were not influenced by drugs and all sorts of stuff and so i'm i'm always a little reluctant to pretend that i'm certain about anything uh i've had very strange dreams that i'm like wow that seems like that was like a a visitation or something. Another great afterlife movie, uh, *Waking Life*.
0: Right. Yeah, we both have seen that, and I feel like people say it's not as good as I remember. So I don't. Oh my know. god. Maybe I... we should put that put well, that on the. docket. I don't know
1: who said that, but they're wrong. Uh, I've seen it a hundred times, and there's still so much there. There's so much to talk about.
0: Yeah. Um. But I do know. I know what you mean. I guess my I my approach definitely is different. Where it's just like. Uh, it's i feel like being an atheist isn't so much saying is saying that i don't know but it's it's saying that as far as as far as we know there isn't but i am definitely open because i feel like a lot of people don't think think that atheists aren't open to things that they don't agree with and i would say i'm i would love for there to be an afterlife yeah. i would love for there to be supernatural stuff who wouldn't sure. you know who who wouldn't well
1: i think some some people would hope that consciousness just ends i think that uh i think that one thing that for me at least like would keep me from you know suicide or something is like oh well, what if my consciousness just keeps going and then it's worse you know uh, <laughs> like that's a terrifying idea but yeah i, I guess th- uh,
0: i always think about like well what about the time before i was born do i remember that time do you remember that time yeah that's that's what death's well like. just because yeah.
1: you don't remember something doesn't mean it didn't happen yeah so I, guess I don't know th- i don't know i can't say i mean
0: but I would love for it not to be. I would love for something else. But I don't think it's bad. I guess I'm I'm a big believer that if there is anything, it's not bad because that mm-hmm. would just be insane. Or at least
1: it's new. It's neutral in some sort of chaotic. And like I feel like if there's anything, it's like there's like a chaotic neutral, just like a cosmic process. But to what you were saying, you know, you said I hope that there is. Or I would, yeah. I would not mind if there was something afterwards, right? I would, I would And I think that's it. that's kind of where I'm at, is, like, I, I would like to be honest with myself and be like, I don't know, I can't know, but I remain, like, skeptically optimistic. Like, I'm skeptical of everything, but, yeah, that would be great. That seems fun. <laughs> I would like, it would be interesting to just float around and learn information about, you know, how the universe actually works or whatever limbo is like, you know. Well, now, I guess... Anyway, we could keep going about this.
0: Yeah, I guess, but but just, like, just now thinking about life um, and how finite it is, it does give me a lot of meaning to living in any kind of... Like, I guess I'm just, like, now I'm just more, like, well, any life is better than nothing, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. for me, it's liberating, because I do kind of think it's just, like, well, I just have this one life. You know, I feel like oftentimes before when i used to believe in a supernatural it kind of devalued my current life because it's like well i always got that back up you know and i f- i feel like that was just that was kind of put you in a cage where you feel like you don't have to do everything now which i'm like now i'm just like mm-hmm. you have to this is this is all we know and so right. you, even the worst I, moments I actually, yeah you're I'm like i'm existing
1: <laughs> yeah i always wondered if if people who like Deeply believe in reincarnation, are like disinclined from doing stuff. They're like, ah, I'll get around to it my next life, you know, which seems so absurd. But no, I I very much like that that point you just made. Um, yeah, you should, you know, what what's the other idiom? You know, live every day as if it's your last. It's kind of a a variation on that. No. Which is great.
0: No, and I and I guess I'm just I'm and I'm not like somebody who's going to say oh you need to uh do some kind of great feats to live each each moment but you should live your life with doing the things that you care about and i feel like that you know that's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is something you know talked about a long time and i'm like oh you know i want to i want to do this and um i think when you are constantly like just not um not doing the things that you care about you know it kind of uh it's just de nurturing, like you know, it just makes you feel like less of that person who you are that you're existing with meaning and um even if mm-hmm. but anyway, this movie so so I feel like we've definitely gone over. You wanna just you wanna give your final thoughts and your review? Should we just skip ahead?
1: You you give your review first.
0: Okay. Um and so this isn't the scientific review, but we still kind of use the scale and just so everybody's aware um, before I get into more details about it. So there's a star, which no, almost no movies get stars. There's an equals, there's a plus, there's a check, and there's an asterisk. And, you know, so those are the different options that you can get, and they all have different obvious meanings. And, Wait,
1: what's the asterisk?
0: Well, the asterisk is when there's something you have to check.
1: You're not sure.
0: You're not sure. An asterisk is like, you know, I need to come back to it because I don't have enough Mm -hmm. information to give my review right now. Um Mm -hmm. you know, asterisks come up, you know, sometimes not a ton. Um, but there's a ton there's a chance that you're you're watching something that you completely misinterpret the tone. For example, we've been talking about tone a lot um you're watching something and it's glorifying um suicide um in japan and you're like wow this is this is a terrible thing but then you do a little bit more research and you're like oh this is a, a an honorable gl- exactly and you're like man i gotta rewatch that movie it's an asterisk and so you know that's an asterisk mm-hmm. you know got it got it yeah and okay. so
1: yeah that's that's good
0: my review I'm gonna go
1: with that. I'm gonna
0: <laughs> you, you you're just I'm gonna, gonna, you're gonna it cut into you your review. Okay, go ahead.
1: No no yeah. I'm gonna real quick I'm gonna give this movie an asterisk and I'm gonna say, you know, I, I saw this movie like ten years ago. I think ten years from now, I'm gonna revisit it and then I'll be able to give it a review. So for now I'm gonna give it an asterisk for sure.
0: Okay. That's fair. Um for me, um, personally, this movie's a plus. You know, it's it's a good wow. it's a good film, but is it? It's not like a Citizen Kane level film, but there are Citizen Kane level aspects of this film. I would argue, um, everybody's gonna remember this fu- this food this film for the iconic imagery. Um, but I would say I would say it has a lot more to offer. Um, it's it's funny. I think that it gives you a lot to talk about. Like, we've had this conversation about death. I think that it is that nuanced. I think it's probably worth, you know, watching it with the commentary or giving a little bit more um, understanding of the context to it to really appreciate it. Because I do think there is this um, philosophical point in this film. And, um, you know, I think that's why it's still around, that people just, whatever they think about it, they think it's interesting, that it's something. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, I will butt in one real quick and say that I don't think we should compare things to, to Citizen Kane
0: no just Citizen Kane had a star I think, star. I I think the just...
1: idea of yeah that's, okay that's fair but I think comparing classics is, is always uh, like a fool's errand because they're always classics for different reasons like for instance I think Wings of Desire is an absolute classic and one of my faves and uh and i think you'll see why like within 20 minutes of watching it and be like wow this is impressive i can't believe i've never seen this because um, i do think it is on the level of kane or seventh seal or you know pick a random classic i think it's huh. it's in that tier uh, so i'm stoked that you've never seen it and we get to talk about it
0: yeah yeah me too I'm really making a mistake so giving just, me high expectations though you should have just told me that you know expect oh it can't nothing. it can't be hyped up enough <laughs> okay cannot be hyped up
1: enough uh beautiful black and white as well oh I definitely appreciate
0: oh awesome i do love um good black and white because it's it does seem like it's hard to do now i would even argue that mink was not nearly as good black and white as this was i thought this seven seal looked great
1: yeah well that's because film has has such a depth that digital doesn't
0: well, it's different. Usually, doesn't it's di- it looks different, it's different, but it's able to capture the same. Lo- but anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, the final this. So
1: this movie got a plus asterisk.
0: Plus asterisk, sure. But the scientific review, yeah. which is the only one that matters, is also a plus. So there's there's that, huh. which it just happens to agree with my review this week. Doesn't always happen. Usually doesn't <laughs> happen. Um, right. Because it does have some okay. scenes that are just, you know, they're in the thousands ratings. And then a lot of, there's a lot of just neutral wow. scenes, but then there's these few really impactful scenes that ended up giving it the plus that, you know, anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there's the unnecessary dramatic music, which I'm sure took it down a notch.
0: Yeah, which could have been star level, but that music, um, I do. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a mistake
0: should i end with a a bad re- another bad review
1: <laughs> do you, sure. do you, yeah let's let's yeah let's get another amazon
0: review of, of ingmar bergman's the seventh seal this this is imdb and this one's titled ah. z lots of z's it's just titled a bunch of z's i will keep Cause this he's sleepy yeah because he fell asleep i will keep this as short as possible boring Do not waste your time watching this rubbish seriously i cannot think of one good thing about this movie i'm not going to waste time by going through the details of the movie which were bad Um, i would be here all day i tell you why people rate this this trash though i think they meant trash I, i tell you why they rate this trash though this movie is yet another case of emperor new clothing in quotes it makes the movie Citizen Kane look entertaining or somewhat interesting in comparison. (laughs) Wow. So so he he likes Citizen Kane less. (laughs) At least Citizen Kane used, at the time, innovating cinematography. Um, This has zilch going for it. Uh, I, I bet you people only say they rate it because they are afraid of looking like Philistine's by the snobs who Mm -hmm. i doubt even watch the full 90 minutes and i don't blame them now did you did you watch the full 90 minutes i mean it's not a long film (laughs) okay 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 i did as well and i paused it sometimes to take notes it was it was i was actually i probably was easier to watch than soul if i'm being honest (laughs) because there was just Mm -hmm. more going on in each scene so i had but you know that's that's my take
1: Well, that's fine. Uh, Yeah, I I definitely watched in in one sitting with no issue whatsoever. So it's a fine a fine piece of movie making. Yeah, but but if you black and white cinematography.
0: But if you like these reviewers are afraid of subtitles and black and white and shots of um, you know characters from the plague or thinking about death at all, stay steer clear. Just Get rid of, run away. You're pro- run away from your <laughs> TV. You're probably so susceptible that if it's playing somewhere, you'll just watch it. So yeah, you know, really
1: hooked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so preemptively. And you don't want to be, you don't want to be caught for ninety minutes staring at a good movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, because you got so much else going for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, wings of desire. Wings
0: uh, of desire week. next week. Absolutely. All right.
1: Great. All right.